This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. Uh, it is Wednesday, July 8, 2020. And the market's been interesting, as you always know. It's always interesting to me. I guess some people don't find it that way. Up and down, up and down. But it's always interesting why it moves and what sectors move when. I just find it fascinating myself. So you can see lots of volatility. Actually, I was pretty happy with the move up today because he had a reversal day yesterday where the market was up and during the day and then fell down much lower by the end of the day. But today it was able to hold up. It started to have a little reversal, then it held up and a little run up in the end of the day. So I was happy with that kind of movement. You know, technical, it's all about technical analysis. And that's always, it's it's not a science, everybody. It just tends to be true. It's enjoyable to, 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 to me, it's enjoyable to analyze these things technically. But, you know, when you buy a stock, you buy it for the fundamentals. Buy it for its strength, its sales, its earnings, its, its, uh, its margins, you know, different things, but always fundamentals. Technical is just kind of tends to be true, and it's fun to learn. Anyways. It's pretty unsettling times we're in. Today, the program, I will do my best to provide some answers for you, to give you some guidance, some finance and investment questions that you might have that I might, I could be able to help you with. So everybody wants strategies, and you know we have to deal with this volatility, and different strategies help. So I'm ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART is the call-in show. Your calls are live. We're live Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. I'm Steve Peasley. Here on Invest Talk and my company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Justin Klein and I are a bit different than other investment advisors, as we point out quite often. We use we we have unbiased guides. We don't we don't buy someone else's opinion. It's all ours. Believe it or not, that happens a lot. Most registered investment advisors are are mostly money gatherers. They don't really manage the money. They've handed off to some a third party to manage, even though you may not know. So we only recommend investments and strategies that we implement for ourselves. We do our own work, our own investing, our own strategies. And of course, we call this parallel investing. We've been using that for many well God, decades. So, so parallel investing. So we like to put our own money right alongside our clients. Exact same thing. So, we're ready for your calls. 888-99-CHARTER is our number. 888-992-4278. And with everything going on, you have to make sure you're putting off, not putting off your objectives of financial freedom. You still have to, you have, we all have a target. If you don't, you should. A target of when we want to retire, if we want to retire, and how much financial security we need in our heads at that time, so that we can retire comfortably. And that's nothing but math, everybody. Decisions and math. So you can do it, and you just got to keep persistent. You got to keep going, got to keep putting money aside, putting money to work, and be reasonable about managing it. That simple, really. Okay, it can get complex. Uh, I'm not pretending it can't. It can, but usually it's not. 
What are we going to do today? You know, we have different things we want to talk about. I have talking points I bring up every day. And just a reminder, we are taking, Justin and I will take a look at your portfolios. We will analyze them for you. We will tell you whether we think they're good or bad or indifferent, depending on your goals and your time frames. So if you want us to do that, we still do it. Even though we can't go out and meet people very often anymore because of the COVID thing. But we will do it through a Skype, telephone, uh any, any way we can do it, jive, we'll do it, okay? So all you do is go to investtalk.com, and click on the email, send us your information and tell us what you want, or you can call our KPP financial office in Norway, California. So go to investtalk.com if you want to learn more. So my, my main focus point today, why portfolio rebalancing almost always pays off. This year's turbulent market has provided another reminder of the importance of portfolio rebalancing for risk reduction, especially if you're approaching retirement. We're going to talk about that. I got other things I've brought up. Uh, Apple and Warren Buffett. Apple, computer, and Warren Buffett. Did you see the news out today about that? It, It shocked me. Share it. Brooks Brothers filed for bankruptcy. Brooks Brothers was the first company that when I graduated from college, moved to New York, Manhattan. I didn't move to Manhattan, but I started working in Manhattan. I was sent to Brooks Brothers to get clothes to dress the part of a businessman. I really didn't remember. I grew up in California, Southern California, and it's pretty laid back here and was back then too. So I had to learn how to do that. And Brooks Brothers was the first major store I went to to buy suits. Bankrupt, file for bankruptcy today. And finally, picking a place for retirement. Picking a place. Some do's and don'ts. You know, I always have some do's and don'ts about that. But here's some do's and don'ts maybe we we can uh, all agree on. Those are the things we're going to discuss. The market was up today, 177 points for the Dow, 149 points for the NASDAQ, and 25 points for the S&P 500. So a pretty decent day uh, from my reversal day yesterday, which was kind of a negative thing, technically. Now, as regular listeners know, Justin and I make an effort and practice to get as many caller questions in as we can in the show. So let's go and get started on that. Here's our voice bank call that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. I bought a position of energy transfer back in April when it was a little under $6 a share, I think, and since then it's gone up to almost nine fifty, and now it's dropping back down to almost $6. I'm wondering what you guys are thinking on that, if I should keep holding on to it or if I should essentially sell off my shares. I saw that today it dropped about 10% because one of their pipelines is getting shut down, and I'm wondering what you guys kind of think the future on that would be. I'm looking to I was originally looking to hold it long-term, but now things are kind of looking shaky. Um, I look forward to hearing you guys' answer on the next show, and thank you very much. Okay, so if you're looking for this Energy Transfer Limited Partner, ET is a symbol, engaged in natural gas, midstream, liquid, transportation, storage business in the United States. So if you were, when you bought it and you were looking at it, and you were looking at it long-term, the only decision you make is what has changed to make you think it's no longer a long-term kind of hold. What has changed? What's fundamentally changed about the company? 
okay? And if nothing's fundamentally changed from the reasons you bought it, then you hold on to it. Now, these transfer, energy transfer pipeline kind of companies that move and store natural gas and oil, they are very volatile over time. This price is very volatile. I'll give you some examples. Pick a year, 2016. It went from $4 a share to $19 a share. The year before, $10 a share to $35 a share. They're very volatile. Just the nature of their business. Okay, so now it's $6.54, and it was about, what, $18 a year ago? So, it's volatile. They're going to make $1.22 next year, meaning that the P.E. ratio is very low. They usually have a pretty low P.E. ratio because of the volatility. Volatility in sales, volatility in earnings. So, you probably bought this for the dividend because they pay a very high dividend. Uh, and that's what these companies do. They pay a ton of, they have a dividend yield of 18%. I doubt that they can maintain that. But the cash flow is pretty good at $2.48. So there's no fundamental reason for you to sell this company. There is none if you own it. But if you did, if you bought, you told me, you said you bought it for long term, and I would stick with it long term if that was your goal, and you probably bought it for the dividend. You bought it for, price appreciation, then you're just going to have to be, you're going to have to trade it. And it's now low. And if it gets back to $9, you get out. But that's, you said long term. So we'll see. Okay. My main focus point today, why portfolio rebalance, it almost always pays off. That's my main pocket point today. This year's turbulent market has provided yet another reminder of the importance of portfolio rebalancing. And, of course, i got other things we want to talk about. So what's on your mind? What do you want to discuss? Give me a call. Our number is 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Wednesday. Steve Peasley is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Good morning. This is Mike. Love the show. Just started listening to it. Question. The Federal Reserve just bought a bunch of household debt from several different uh, companies, so Berkshire Hathaway, Coca-Cola, Walmart. Why would they do that? What are your concerns if the Federal Reserve is purchasing stock from these types of companies? Is there something they're doing to continue to prop up the economy? Thanks. Yeah, they're starting to buy corporate debt, which is very unusual, and they're buying corporate debt directly. And before, they weren't doing that. They're buying corporate debt through ETFs and just started doing that. Now they're going directly to the companies, and that that bothers me. It bothers me because now they're supporting individual companies. I don't think the government should do that. They shouldn't support any individual company. That's wrong. Why are they doing that? Why? Because they are trying to keep liquidity in the system. They're doing working very hard to keep liquidity in the system. Buying corporate debt is one way to do that. Buying mortgage debt is another way, and they've been doing that for a long time. Uh, buying government debt, they've been doing that, right? I mean, now they're down to the corporate debt. All in an effort to keep things liquid so that cor- companies can still borrow and grow and and everything else. But 
doesn't that it bothers me because it kind of supports the companies to take risks. Uh, they can't fail, right? I mean, the government's backing them up so they can take more risks. Doesn't that sound familiar? Didn't we do that in the financial crisis with mortgage risks? See, uh, now they're doing it with corporations. I, I don't like it. I don't. I don't feel the government should. The government should make a very strong effort to stay out of private industry. And our com- our our Federal Reserve is more and more and more getting involved with private industry. I understand why. I know you, know, you can. You're, I'm going to get arguments on both sides. I'm sure. But the you asked the question. The question is to maintain lots of liquidity in the system so that these companies won't go under. But aren't we then supporting companies just like third world countries support their companies by government intervention? Isn't that what we don't want to do? Don't we want free economic system? See, uh, there's this balance going on here that is bothering me. Anyways. The price of gold keeps climbing, everybody, probably due to COVID-19 fears because gold goes up based on fear. We know that, right? Gold goes up uh, based on inflation. Gold goes up on the weakness of the dollar and fear. And, you know, with a, you know, with a COVID problem increasing, the dollar's getting weak too, by the way. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons. Well, you know, it was up, uh, Today, gold was selling at, what, $1,800, a little over $1,800 an ounce. So, you know, if you're doing the math, that equates to about 57291 per kilogram. You know, a kilogram is about, what, 2.2 pounds? The gold is approximately $28,500 a pound. So, interesting stuff. Okay, on the next Invest Talk, we got, I got some more interesting facts to share with you. If you want. On the next Invest Talk, this story, a fascinating chart demonstrates the link between commodity prices and populism. Okay? At least one equity strategist thinks super low interest rates, bond buying, and um, aggressive fiscal spending will lead to a surge in inflation. I, didn't, I think that too. But that's going to be tomorrow. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, and this is Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. That's my number. So what do you want to talk about, everybody? How about rebalancing? That's a good talking point to consider. Uh, I looked at my portfolio uh, today. My portfolios made sure they were in balance with everybody else and doing the same thing I do. So I, I, I quite often look at that. I don't, but you should do it at least once a year. Once a year, you should rebalance your portfolio. What is rebalancing all about? Well, if you're young and you're aggressive, it might be about I have these all stocks, but oh, a few skyrocketed and a couple others tanked. Therefore, you're out of balance. 
you have to reconsider. Do you want to keep those stocks that tank because they just have a short-term problem? And those that skyrocket, should you take some of the profits and reduce the, the amount that you have in those? That's rebalancing. Another form of rebalancing. You have a, you're, you're, you want to take less risk. And you've always had a balance between stocks and bonds. What if the stocks have gone way up, the bonds way down? So you're now out of balance. So that's more common right now in the environment we're in. So rebalancing, well, what good is rebalancing? Is it really worth the effort? Is it worth it? Well, we've done been, there's been many studies done on rebalancing. And overall, it is the right thing to do. Because long-term, your it smooths out your, your returns. You don't have huge swings. Why is that bad? It's great if the huge swings are up, right? I mean, we wish they all were up, but they're not. That's the point. In the last 10 or so years when the market has done nothing but go up except for this year, rebalancing really didn't help you much. It really hurt you because you got out of, you got, you cut stocks that were working really, really well. But historically, historically, that's not how the market works. So now we've had that 10-year move. You think the 10-year, next 10 years is going to be exactly the same? It's not. Never is. So it's about a risk-slash-return trade-offs. How much volatility? Most people cannot handle a lots of volatility. They think they can. Think, think about the energy transfer call we just had. He was a long-term investor. The stock went from $9 down to 6 now he's, now he's considering getting out. See, most people can't handle the volatility. That's volatility, everybody. Most people can't take it when, when it gets really bad. So rebalancing reduces that volatility and yet still gives you a good risk-return trade-off for that volatility. Now, the question is, how do you do it? You know, can, Do you know how you should do it? And this takes a little bit of work. And maybe you need someone like me, like uh, someone to help you with that. The conclusion is rebalancing every so often, at least once a year, helps reduce the volatility and the trade-off is pretty strong. In other words, you have pretty good return without taking as much risk, no matter what kind of portfolio you're trying, you, you, you manage, aggressive or non-aggressive, conservative, you know, split between bonds and stocks or 100% stocks, all, all the time. Any kind of those portfolios, rebalancing helps reduce the risk. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, we have a voicemail. You know, our voice bank is always open. You can call anytime you want, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen and Justin. My name is Said. I have a question about the stock MFA Financial. I'm trying to see if I should invest in that. Could you please give me your advice on that. Thank you. Okay. MFA Financial Inc. It is a REIT primarily engaged in the business of investing um, um, in, on a leveraged basis, meaning it's borrowing money. So it means whenever you heard the word of leveraged basis or borrowing, using leverage, always think in terms of risk. That is very risky, super risky. Okay. Meaning you're going to have some great rewards and some very painful Downstrokes. The stock is selling for $2.47. $2.40. It's a REIT. 
And it doesn't really tell us what it invested in that definition. I don't know what it's invested in. So uh, I would be very, very careful. I don't have enough time to redo the research. But it's using leverage, risk. And I'll give you an example. Okay, this most recent earnings fell 436% to a negative negative $2.02 a share. So it lost $2.02 a share. The quarter before that, they made $0.21 a share. Every quarter before that, they made money. So this COVID thing crushed them because whatever they were doing, they were on the wrong, wrong side, wrong side of the coin, wrong side. I'd stay away from this. I would not even consider buying something like this, just so you know. Okay, yesterday my trivia question concerned the U.S. Mint. Remember, the agency that produces our coins? Well, today I thought I might be, instru- might be instructed to focus on currency, our dollar bills, which come from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. As we go to break, here's my two-part trivia question. In which year was, was and the event eventually became the Bureau of Engraving and Printing? When was it founded? Which year? And what important secure document did they print for many years, a document that, that now is printed elsewhere? I'll have the answers after the break. Our phone number, our phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin are ready for any money question you want to ask right now at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information 
beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, I asked a trivia question before the break. In which year was and then eventually became the Bureau of Engraving and Printing? When was it founded? And what important secure document did they print for many years? Document that is now printed elsewhere. The Bureau of Engraving and Printing, BEEP, B-E-P for short, is a government agency within the United States Department of Treasury that designs and produces a variety of security products, security products for the United States government. The most notable product is the Federal Reserve note. That is to say, paper money makes prints money. The currency is produced for the Federal Reserve, the nation's central bank. The beep was formed during the Civil War, August 29, 1862, 157 years ago. That's when the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, during the Civil War, was formed. Today, in addition to paper currency, BEEP produces treasury securities, military commissions and award certificates, invitations and admission cards, and many different types of identification cards, forms, and other special security documents for a variety of government agencies. Yeah, like the FBI cards and the Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms badges and those kinds of things. So the B production of postage stamps began began in 1894, and for most of the century, Beep was the sole producer of postage stamps in the country. Okay, so which secure document did the Beep produce for many years? Passports. As early as 1864, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing made passports for the State Department, and also made uh, also money orders for the Postal Office Department. But not anymore. How many employees does Beep have? 2,200. 2,200 employees. So those are some facts. Important, are, but they're interesting. Let's go to Carl in Oceanside. He wants to talk about some facts, too. Carl. Yes, uh, symbol CWH, Camping World. I bought this stock at 20. I bought 50 shares at 20. I'm planning to buy a little bit more, but it went already so high. How is the company doing? Okay. Uh, Camping World Holdings, everybody. CWH, Camping World Holdings, operates 175 retail locations, provides a portfolio of services, protection plans, products, resources, those kinds of things for camping. 175 retail locations, Camping World Holdings. 
They're going to make 45 cents this year and $1.13 next year. So a big, huge run up. Sales have fallen in the recent two quarters, but I'm kind of like their business model because, you know, COVID-19, people are going to be camping a lot more, I think, than traveling, flying around this summer. I think they have a good business model is what I'm saying. Problem is it's a $27 stock, and they're going to make $0.45 cents this year. They lost money last year, $0.33 cents a share. But before that, they always made money. They're going to make $1.13 this year. Sales have fallen a couple of percentage points in the most recent quarters, but I think they're going to have a huge rebound. And so do most other experts. That's why they're estimating $1.13 next year, over a 151% increase. So we're thinking that. And that's why it's moved up. It was selling for $4, a little less than $4 in March when it fell. And before that, at high last year, it was $14, and today it's at 27 So the problem, Carl, is, well, it's not a problem for you. You've probably done pretty well. But I think it's a little expensive, okay? Uh, I think it's the run has been made, and I think you don't want to buy more at this high price. I'd wait for a pullback. Maybe it'll pull back to um, around $14, $15, maybe $16. I- I'd rather see you buy more there. This is a point where you would probably take some profits off the table, depending on where you bought it. Carl, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's go to Nick and Hayward. How you doing, Nick? Yeah, fine, fine, Steve. Great show. Thank you. Uh, what do you think about this uh, workhorse? Uh, it's, uh, it's been jumping up and down, and a couple of ratings online uh, oh. kind of rates it close to a buy. I was going to ask your opinion. What do you think? Yeah, this thing is really did really well. I mean, it was selling for under two dollars, close to one dollar or even less, uh, in the end of March when the market collapsed. Before that, was running around three or four dollars a share. Today, it's at sixteen dollars and sixty six cents. It ran up over to twenty two, twenty three dollars here in a couple days ago. So it's a really Volatile. Okay, Workhorse Group, WKHS is the symbol. Designs and manufactures high-performance, medium-duty trucks under the Workhorse Chassis brand. So vehicles. The reason why it's so volatile is because um, it doesn't make any money. It has never made money, this company. Sales growth has been shrinking. So what is driving this? What is the driver? Okay, uh, let's see. California law says to boost Tesla, Nico must be must be it must be the the uh, it must be making uh, uh, high performance medium truck chassis and things for the electric car industry. It looks like that might be the what looks like it's driving it. But man, it doesn't make money. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch this stock. It, it has never made money, and sales are going down. So it's a story stock. There's a good story about it. Well, I'd stay away from it. It's too risky, Nick. Way too risky. I'd have to do some digging to find out why it jumped. But my suspicion is something to do with electric trucks that were been announced by different companies making them. Thanks for the call, Nick. Appreciate it. Uh, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Warren Buffett Portfolio, Berkshire Hathaway. 
Do you realize that 43% of his portfolio is Apple? Apple Computer. $91 billion. He owns 46 stocks. Bank of America is number two holding. But Apple, by far, is its biggest holding. Now, that's good and bad. Good because Apple's been doing so well. But it's also bad because now his portfolio is very, very concentrated. That's not a Buffett-like move, really. It's not. So it's kind of surprising. But informative, is it not? Kind of interesting. So most of Warren Buffett's, I mean, a huge portion of his portfolio is Apple. Berkshire Hathaway is Apple. $91 billion worth. Wow. Bank of America hasn't done so good is number two. Because the bank stocks have been pretty much hammered. Okay. So I'm Steve Peasley. You're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. I encourage you to consider subscribing to the KPP Premium Newsletter. I write that thing every week. Every Friday is distributed to the newsletter subscribers and, of course, our clients get it for free. In the newsletter, you'll get valuable information. Every week I talk about the market, what's going on, and what the economic news was, and what why those stock, stocks were moving or not moving, and what direction, and give you some ideas. There's, all, there's numerous sections. Of, there's four total sections. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search InvestTalk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. Uh, hi, uh, Steve and Justin. This is uh, Krish uh, from New Jersey. Thanks so much for your uh, podcast and enjoy that very much. I have a question regarding how to use 200-day moving averages as well as 50-day moving averages in order to evaluate any stock, whether to buy or sell. I'm looking forward to your response for this question. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. So moving averages give you buy and sell points. A 200-day moving average is the long-term. That's the longest-term average most of us use in the business, 200-day moving average. We'll use 200-week and 200-month moving averages, too, for certain things. But 200-day moving average is like a one-year movement in the stock. So they're averaging the price over the last 200 days, and then you drop off the oldest day and add the new day and then redo the math. You used to have to do that by hand, by the way. (laughs) I mean, without – I mean, to these days, no one even thinks about it because it's all computer-driven. But anyways – so the 200-day moving average is a long-term moving average. So when something breaks above it, you think it's a long-term is now bullish, and so you want to buy it. And when it breaks below it, the, the market has been falling, and long-term is now bearish, and you get out of it, get out of what position you're in. 
That's the long term. 50-day is different. There's use We use commonly use the 50, 100, 200, and the 20-day moving average. And these are all, when the stock price breaks above or below, these are all buy or sell points. And then it gets even more complex. You can use simple moving average or exponential moving average. You can use crossovers. When the 20-day crosses over the 50-day moving average on the downward stroke, it's a sell signal. When it crosses on the upstroke, it's a buy signal. When the 20-day breaks up above the 50, buy signal. Down, sell So moving averages, they have whole books on how to use them. There's a book called, on our website, we have a lot of books, Technical Analysis, um, is one of the books is called Technical Analysis, one of the, and is one of the, the Bible, basically, by McGee, of moving average, studying moving average. Let's go to Cindy in San Francisco. How are you doing, Cindy? Hi. Hi, Steve. I have a question regarding Cisco Systems, CSEO. Yes, uh-huh. Is it worth it to purchase a stock? Cisco Systems, CSEO, Make switches, routers, and other network and communications hardware for businesses and home appliances. It's a, a blue chip company these days, $193 billion in market cap, so it's big. So it's a $45.81. It's going to make $3.14 next year, $3.15 this year. So it's a big blue chip company paying 3.1%. So you don't really buy it for the growth anymore. You really don't. You buy it for the dividend. Um, okay. It was as low as $33, now it's 45 Is it worth that? Probably. That's about what it's valued at. It can get up to about 50 bucks, uh, but that's about it. Maybe maybe you can squeeze the $60, but you're buying it for that dividend. You don't buy it for growth anymore. It's a very well-run company, though, Cindy. So if you want it in a portfolio, the, go ahead. Sorry. The dividends is secure. Yes, 3.1%. It has a cash flow of $3.52. So, you know, 3% 3 of 45 is, you know, only $1.50 or so. So, yeah, they can even raise a dividend and be very comfortable, and they probably will. Okay. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Cisco, everybody, CSCO, very well-run company. Okay. Okay, uh, Brooks Brothers filed for bankruptcy. That's a clothing store, men's, men's and I guess it's men's and women. The store was around for 202 years. That's how old it is. 202 years. Filed for bankruptcy. The COVID thing finally drove it in. It was already having problems before this. They had 250 stores. Uh, it wasn't, it's not a public company. They had three factories. What's very disappointing. All three factories were in the United States. They made their clothes here in the U.S. So I don't know if they're going to reorganize or just go out of business. I'm not sure. Their brands, they made very good clothes, high-quality business clothes. And so why they were already hurting, because every you know business apparel was going more and more casual, and they were you know suit-and-tie kind of company. And they had to try to keep up. So they're join they they're joining the ranks of Neiman Marcus and J. Crew and J. C. Penney. Again, they were already having trouble, but this COVID thing just drove them out. This, this COVID thing is going to drive a lot of businesses out of a lot of businesses out of business, uh, restaurants especially. They cannot 
You cannot start to reopen a restaurant. First of all, you can't just shut a restaurant down and expect it to survive for a couple, three months, then come back. This doesn't happen. Maybe the big chains will survive, and that's fine, but not this mom and pop stores. They can't handle that. Then the ones who are able to handle it shut them down again after reopening them. You kidding me? Restaurants do not have a high, high profit margin. They can't survive those kind of things. Just can't. So, you know, small businesses and even large businesses are having a heck of a time surviving this. Can't keep them not open. And expect them to reopen. They just can't. They can't survive. No matter how much government money you throw at them, it's still virtually impossible to reshut down. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. It's always the same. And our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in 888 99 chart. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I had a question on my 401k. We're here for you. What's your question? 888 99 chart is how to reach Steve right now on Invest Talk. On the next Invest Talk, one fascinating chart demonstrates the link between commodity prices and populism. And one analyst is using it to predict a surge of inflation. That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here. He's taking your calls and questions live. Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Charlie from Wisconsin. I'm calling about United Rentals URI. I know there's some rumors about there possibly being a stimulus passed for infrastructure. However, even if it wasn't passed, I want to know about this company. I've noticed that the earnings per share has been increasing the last couple of years, and I do know the housing market seems to be on the upswing right now. Wanted your thoughts. Thank you. Bye. Okay, United Rentals, Inc., as simple as URI, provides construction and industrial equipment rentals and sells through 1,024 locations in the U.S. and Canada. It's a very healthy company, uh, but they have more debt than I'm comfortable with at this time. When I say healthy, earnings have been very strong. Uh, they're going to be $15.14 next year after falling this year to $12.09 from $19 last year per share. So sales have started to fall because of the COVID-19, the economic contraction. Of course, they're, you know, they're going to be affected. I don't like the, they're a big company, $10 billion. I don't like that they don't pay a dividend. They don't pay a dividend. Um, mutual funds have been buyers. 1,501 mutual funds owned this company last year. Now 1,610 own this company this year. So mutual funds have been buyers, and the funds own about 50, 55% of the company. The stock has come up and found a lot of resistance right at its old high that it made in, uh, and at the beginning of the year, right, right where it is, 100, about 100. Uh, about 160, $60 a share is at $148. Came up to that $160 and having a hard time. It came up to it in May. So, um, there's, they, they're, they're coming out of the recession will help them, but because that's, they're kind of sensitive. They're kind of an economic sensitive, you know, economy, economic sensitive kind of company. It's, 
it's up and down, up and down based on what's going on in the economy. And the infrastructure spending would help them too. So it has those kinds of things working for it as we come out of this recession. But it doesn't have a lot of catalysts, and it has debt that worries me. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's never been a very high-priced P.E. ratio. I mean, they're going to make $15 a share, so that tells you the P.E. ratio is right around, you know, 10. Well, their range is 3 to 16 for the last five years. Return on equity is pretty high at 42%. Just don't like the debt. I, I don't know. I, it's not something I would be interested in. Just so you Let's go to Brandon, Mill Valley. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm doing good, Steve. Thank you for everything. Uh, I'm asking about BYDDF uh, battery Chinese. Okay, that's a Chinese-based manufacturer of, of hybrid, full-power vehicles, mobile and handset components, rechargeable batteries. They're a $26 billion company. So it's a foreign company traded on over the uh, over-the-counter. Uh, so the, the question you have to ask yourself is what is the law requiring these foreign companies, China especially, uh, to report cap, uh, gap earnings, general accounting principal earnings, in other words, redoing their books to fit, to fit gap if they're going to be listed on our exchanges. And that's where you just don't know. You don't know where these companies will stand after they have to either report gap earnings or be delisted from our our exchanges. No one knows that. Now, the stock has done very well. It's gone from $4.50 at the bottom in March now to $9.56 and recently jumped from $7.75, gapped up to $9 in one day. Gapped up. So that must mean... There's good news out there. Why did they gap out? Electric vehicles, of course. Uh, they nabbed a 113 million uh, uh, contract, which is going to help them. There's they're in the there there's contracts that they they've announced that have been very positive. But again, you're you're stuck in the uh, the Chinese gap problem. General accounting principles. I'm not sure how to. I wouldn't buy it because of that. I'm Steve Peasley. Thank you for listening to Invest Talk. I will return on Friday with highlights from the latest KPP Premium Newsletter. And please tell your friends we have posted a new June bonus show. Justin and I answered 30 caller questions in a very, at a very fast pace. It can be downloaded now free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. 
And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 